Please be seated. As Christians, we are saved by grace and by the redeeming work of our Savior on the cross. However, as pilgrims on the pathway of life, we sometimes sin through thought, word, or action. When we do, we must repent and seek his forgiveness. We do that now through confession. And let's do it silently, and I will close in prayer. Let us pray. Father, you are an awesome God. You and you alone, Lord, deserve our praise and our adoration. Hold us close. Allow us to share a genuine, loving relationship with you today and every day. Amen. Having confessed our sins, it is right and proper to profess our faith by reading together the Apostles' Creed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He son under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and the sin everlasting. Amen. The giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. We receive them by mail, online, or in the black collection box in the rear of this auditorium. Visitors, you are our guest. You are not expected to give. Members of Deep Run family are encouraged to give as God has equipped you to give and as directed by the Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment to silently think about and pray for the gifts of tithes and offerings.
Just a reminder that last month's stewardship update is printed in, printed in today's bulletin for your review and information. Let us pray together. Father, we pray that the tithes and offerings received this week will be used to your glory. Bless the work being done in your name by this congregation. Use the ministries of this church to extend your work both here and abroad. And we ask this in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, you have established Deep Run Church. We thank you for the time that you have given us here in Westminster and in Carroll County. You have allowed us to grow, Lord. You have placed feet beneath us. You have placed you in front of us. And Lord, as we look to the future, we always desire that you would go before us, not beside us, not behind us, but before us. Allow us always, Lord, to seek your face and to glorify you in all that we do. Bless this congregation, all those who are in need, all those who are well, and we ask, Lord, this all in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. This morning we're reading from Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
Oh, well, there we go. All right. <clears throat> so if we haven't met, my name is Trip Beans, and it's been a delight to be with you the last few weeks, and I'm excited about this morning, and sadly, RUF is making me go to training next week, so I'm not going to be able to be here. Um, I also wanted to wear a shirt that wasn't branded with RUF so that you all know that I own clothes that don't say RUF. Um, not many, but af and after 10 years, you accrue a lot. But uh, I, do, I do actually own non-RUF clothing. Um, so this is our final week, and to be honest with you, it's been a real encouragement to, with, for me to be with you all. Worship has been delightful, and uh, it's been good for my soul. We've been talking about the Gospel of Luke with the idea that the purpose is the purpose of Luke is to encourage our faith. Luke's target audience is a people who, a person or people who already know and follow Jesus, but it works for skeptics as well. So if you're in the room or you're online and, and, and you're skeptical about this whole Jesus Christianity thing, Book of Luke is for you. And if you're here and you follow him and you want to keep following him, the Book of Luke is for you. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about the authority of Jesus. And Luke gives us reason to be confident in what we believe by demonstrating to us that Jesus has authority like nobody else. Jesus' authority is, is totally other. Would you pray for me as we get into the word? Lord, we come to you with, uh, with all of the week behind us and all of the week before us, the joys and the burdens, the struggles and the hopes, we come, we're going to come to your table this morning. What we're looking for here is to hear you speak. We want to be connected to you. We want to be more like you. We want to know that we're not wasting our time or futile in our pursuit of what it means to be like Jesus. And so, Lord, would you turn our faces toward you would you open our hearts and our ears so that we can listen? Would you speak to us? Would you be present with us? This is truly what we need and what we pray for. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> when I say the word authority, what do you think of? It's actually kind of funny as I was working on the sermon this week, I had to look up a definition for authority. I, I mean, I know what it is. But to put it into words is a little challenging. Have you ever asked yourself what authority is? Is it the people that tell you what to do? Is it the system that holds everything in place? It does seem odd that we need to some sort of definition for this, but I needed one. Authority can be defined as the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. I thought the, uh, the standing up and sitting down was great. I might try that with college students. Um, 
A few months ago, I, I got into the Prime, uh, the Amazon Prime video series called All or Nothing. This is a documentary on the English Premier League soccer. Uh, and the first season is all about the team Manchester City and their coach Pep Guardiola. Now, I am very aware that most of you don't really care about EPL soccer and have never heard the name Pep Guardiola. Uh, although, I think if you lived in Europe, everybody's heard of Pep Guardiola. But what you need to understand is that Pep has revolutionized the sport, the way he coaches his players to move the ball and themselves on the field has changed the game. I'm a former player, I'm a current coach, and when I hear what Pep says and what his teams have accomplished, he has authority in my mind that other coaches don't have. He's done something nobody else can do. I'm going to try the things that Pep says because they work. <laughs> because I sit there and listen and go, whoa, that's crazy. Authority is a pervasive idea in our culture. You go on social media for just a few minutes and you'll find authorities on fitness and health, on money management, relationships, organization, travel, and this doesn't even begin to hit hot topics like politics and sex. We know what it is like to hear people speak with authority, and we know what it is to hear people speak with what I'm kindly listing as ignorance. We've heard both. We have a peculiar relationship with authority too, we both want it and hate it at the same time. <clears throat> Tim Keller in his book, <coughs> Making Sense of God, gives us insight to our relationship with authority through the singing of the national anthem. He says of the national anthem, the climactic phrase comes to an elongated high note, or the land of the free, and everybody begins to applaud. Cheers begin. Even though the song goes on to talk about the brave, it's an afterthought. Both the melody line and our culture highlight freedom as the main theme and the value of our society. That's what Keller says. Authority and freedom live in an uneasy tension in the human being's life. Authority actually takes away freedom. It put, puts boundaries on freedom. So when someone has the power to give orders and make decisions and enforce obedience, um, it takes away our options. When we want to fix something in our lives, when we want, some, we want someone to say something authoritative, don't we? Something's broken, it doesn't work. I call the computer guy and he says, plug it in. Oh yeah, right right? We want somebody to say, do this, it's fixed. Silver bullet. But that means we have to sacrifice some things to get the things we want. But we can be willing to make those sacrifices if we get what we want. That kind of submitting to authority is no problem. But there are times we don't want authority. Authority way, uh, takes away the options that we prefer. Authority can tell us to do the things that we don't want to do and not do the things that we want to do. Sounds a little like Paul, doesn't it? 
So when Luke starts talking about Jesus' authority, he is laying down a foundational idea that's going to pop up through the gospel. Luke is going to make the argument that Jesus is the ultimate authority. And he starts here. This section of scripture frames a perspective on Jesus' authority for us. This isn't the last time we're going to hear about it. But Luke starts to paint the picture of what Jesus is like. The first place Luke points out Jesus' authority was his teaching. He's in a synagogue on the Sabbath and teaching the people. The response of Jesus' teaching was that his word possessed authority. People commented, whoa. This is an implied contrast to the other teachers that would teach in the synagogue. Huh, this Jesus guy. That's a little different than last week's teaching. I think I believe him a little bit more. Jesus was the Pep Guardiola, you know? Or maybe Pep, uh, you know, probably not a good analogy. Whatever Jesus taught held more authority than the other people that taught. Whatever Jesus said, they went, oh, wow. I never thought about it that way before. That's something I should probably do. When Jesus spoke, people listened. When Jesus spoke, people thought, that makes sense. Often in the New Testament, words are accompanied by activity. And actually, Luke records this a lot through Luke and Acts. When Jesus speaks, when the apostles speak, there's something that goes on with that to demonstrate that the word spoken means something in all three in this case luke records three significant moments that put some definition on jesus's authority for us and for the people that were there in all three instances jesus comes upon a situation where his authority can make a difference something that makes his authority so different than other authority that we find in our world is that his authority has compassion. Let me say that again. What's different about Jesus's authority than other authority that we find in the world is it's loaded with compassion. Jesus's authority is loaded with compassion. It's not just executed because I can do it. It's executed because I can do it and I care. Jesus takes action without strings attached. He doesn't ask for payment. He doesn't even ask that the people, if you look in this text, he doesn't even ask that the people that he helps follow him. He helps them because he can. So let's take a look. First of all, Jesus comes across a demon-possessed man. The demon-possessed man refers to Jesus as the Holy One of God. So here we have, so Jesus spoke, right, in the, in the uh, synagogue, and people thought that's pretty amazing. And then we've got this response from the demon that says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God, which gives definition for everybody that's there. Oh, this is a big deal. This guy's different. This acknowledgement from what would be considered an enemy of God, that Jesus is from God, is significant. This was a public statement made in front of people 
And then Jesus commanded the demon to be silent and come out, and the demon did. It's one thing for someone to stand up and tell people what to do, and it's another thing to stand up and tell an enemy what to do, and they do it. Particularly when we're talking about the cosmic level of things. Whoa, this guy is different. This caused astonishment. The people said, what is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. So Jesus teaches, that's a big deal. Jesus heals or he, he casts out a demon that supports the teaching that he was doing. The proclamation of the demon, the proclamation of the people, it's all adding to understanding who is a, what his authority is. The second clarification of Jesus' authority is when he heals Simon's mother. Essentially, they go to church, right? Jesus teaches at church, and then somewhere around church, there's this demon-possessed man. Casts out the demon. All right, let's go have lunch. We're all going to go to Simon's house. <clears throat> and when they walk in, Simon's mother is sick. It's a high fever. It's a, it, this, is not, this is not a quick fix. This is actually, she's very sick. And again, Jesus gives commands and this time to an illness. When Jesus speaks, people, demons, and illnesses listen. This is different than the authority Jesus had demonstrated before. Before we were dealing with people, with, with demons, they follow instructions, right? I mean, most of the time, I tell my kids what to do, and they do it most of the time. 50%? Four, and it doesn't matter. When Jesus speaks, stuff happens. People listen. Demons obey. But, I mean, who talks to an illness? Who tells an illness to go away? And it does. When Jesus speaks, illnesses go away. The third moment was a combination of the first two. Jesus, so they go to church, he heals the demon, he comes home, he heals Simon Peter's mother, and now everybody's showing up. They've had some lunch, they've been hanging out, resting for a little bit. Now he goes out, and everybody's coming to the house, and they're all standing outside, and he starts healing people and casting out demons. I'm not sure why Luke records this again. It seems the teaching the teaching and casting out demons and healing illnesses would be enough. But Luke wants to make sure we get it. Jesus speaks and it happens. That doesn't happen if you don't have authority. William Barclay comments on this passage. Jesus' authority was something quite new. When rabbis taught, they supported every statement with quotations. They also appealed to authority. When the prophets spoke, they said, Thus saith the Lord. Theirs was a delegated authority. It was given to them by somebody else. When Jesus spoke, he said, I say to you. 
He needed no authorities to buttress him. His was not a delegated authority. He was authority incarnate. He didn't need somebody else to give him authority. He didn't have to quote other people. He didn't need that support because he is God. In this text, the responses to his authority are actually quite interesting. While Luke gives us a perspective on Jesus' authority, he also gives us insight into how people responded to him. We get four responses to Jesus' authority. The first is the response of the people that heard him teach. They found his teaching to be amazing. We've kind of talked about this. They recognized Jesus' authority. That's special. But they didn't actually recognize him in any other way. You don't read, Luke doesn't record that many people came to faith. He doesn't record, oh, this must be the Son of God. They're like, oh, that's kind of cool. In a lot of ways, he was just a good speaker. He had some intriguing ideas. But that was where it ended. These people admire Jesus' authority, but they don't want to submit to it. This is the person who scrolls through social media, sees the latest guru on whatever topic, and says, cool, I should think about that, but moves on and promptly forgets what they've seen. That was kind of cool, but, I mean, man, to work out like that, I'd have to buy all that stuff, and ah, to eat that way, I mean, I really like ice cream sundaes. The second response was that of the demon. The demon recognizes Jesus for who he is, the Holy One of God. But the demon is in total rebellion against Jesus. He's there to do the opposite of what Jesus is trying to accomplish. There's no attempt to come under Jesus' authority, even though he acknowledges exactly who he is. Oh, the Son of God, the Holy One of God. Not interested, thanks. This is the person who does not want to change their behavior no matter what. This is the person who is told, if you don't stop eating pork rinds, you're going to have a heart attack. But they just won't stop eating pork rinds. It's going to be my son. Anyway, he has an odd, odd connection to pork rinds. The fourth response, yeah, I went one, two, four. I did that on purpose is that of the people coming to Jesus to be healed, so after dinner, after hanging out at Simon Peter's house, all the people are coming, right? And it's interesting that Luke doesn't note any of their responses either. He talks about the demons again. He doesn't talk about the people. This leads me to believe that the people were generally speak, that, that the people, generally speaking, were coming to him for the sake of the miracle. This isn't actually an unusual thing. We see this a little bit later in Luke when Jesus heals the ten lepers, and nine of them, woohoo, we're clean. Let's go see our friends. We haven't seen them in forever. It makes sense. Only one of them came back and said thank you. We see this when Jesus feeds 5,000 people. They're following him around because they want to see a miracle. He's a magician to them. 
This is not an issue of, hey, let's go hear what he has to say. I'm, I'm sure those people were in the 5,000. I want to I wanna, I wanna understand more about Jesus. I'm sure they were there. But the general, ta- general mood of the people was, show me something cool. The people who came to be healed were there to get something from Jesus. This is Jesus as a genie idea. Use him for what he can do for you and leave. We're willing to change only as long as the process works. Once we have what we want, we don't give Jesus a second thought. The third response, though, is quite interesting. When Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother, she gets up and serves him. Whenever I read this, I think, sit down, lady. You were just like deathly ill. Take a break. But Jesus doesn't say that. And Jesus isn't somehow insensitive. This is the appropriate response to Jesus' authority. Jesus, you talked to an illness. It went away. What can I do? How can we work together? How do I submit myself to your authority? She wanted to demonstrate that he didn't just, he wanted to demonstrate that he did, she wasn't just using him to be better. She wanted to submit to him. She was ready to follow his instruction and decisions. It's a simple, short response. It says, and immediately she rose and began to serve him. The line stands in stark contrast to all the other responses. (laughs) or lack of response, doesn't it? This is Jesus' authority. He speaks and it happens. And Luke is inviting us to consider our relationship to Jesus' undelegated authority. Do you admire Jesus' teaching, but kind of hold him at arm's length? Man, that sounds really good. I really like that forgiveness idea. Not sure about the tithing thing. I really like the love idea, but I'm not sure about the whole not sinning thing. Kind of cool. We'll see what happens. Do you find yourself insubordinate to Jesus? Oh yeah? I'm just not going to do that. Do you find yourself looking to Jesus' authority to get what you want? Do you find that your response to Jesus' authority is worship and service and love? Man, he talks, and I can't help but listen. I gotta do something. I suspect that y'all are a lot like me, and you're kind of a mix. (laughs) There are days where I'm like, four-year-old, cross my arms, dig in my heels, and uh uh-uh. And there are days where I'm like, man, that sounds really cool. I'd like to do that. But walk away and forget. There are days where I'm just looking for the silver bullet. Jesus, can you fix this situation? 
and I'm done. But at the heart of me, there's a desire to be more like Jesus, to serve and follow him. This is his grace and mercy to me. This is, this is his activity in my heart conforming me to his image. This is the reason that Jesus died for you, because we're a mess, because we're all these things mixed together. He's taking away the sinfulness that makes you inter somewhat interested, but ultimately doesn't want accountability. He's taking away the insubordinate, get out of my way, get out of my face type response. He's taking away the give me something and I'm done with you relationship to authority. And he's bringing you and me to this point where he heals us and we serve him. And we're growing slowly but surely. He's making us more like him. He doesn't make us serve out of some sort of repayment for his power. We serve as an expression of gratitude for what he's done and what he's doing and what he will do. We serve because we recognize that no matter how free I think I might be outside of his authority, there's actually greater freedom inside of his authority. Let's pray. Lord, it's hard for us to comprehend this idea, this tension of authority and freedom. It's hard for us to comprehend um, that to listen to you, to submit to you, actually gives us more freedom. It gives us, we actually become what we're supposed to be, what you created us to be. And that gives us freedom. Would you be at work in us? Would you help us to trust that you lived and died and rose again so that we could come under your authority and have freedom? This is true. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, that you love us, that you have authority like no other. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do we sing or do the Lord's Supper? Sing and then the Lord's Supper? All right. I'm good ever, either way.
seated. We celebrate the Lord's Supper for the same reason that Luke wrote this gospel. We celebrate the Lord's Supper so that we can have certainty concerning what we believe. In this meal, Jesus shows up. He's spiritually and really present with us. He's here with us. The sacrament reminds us is he has had compassion on us in spite of our sin while we're still sinners Christ died for us he has the authority to address the sin and brokenness of our lives and our world because he is the holy one of God and he is the only one that can address sin and brokenness of our world in the process of taking these elements We celebrate that Jesus died for us and we demonstrate that we want to conform to his authority. Don't let your sin keep you away. Don't stay away because this just was not a good week. If it wasn't a good week, come knowing that he is is at work in you. He loves you. Come. Celebrate what he's done. Now there is a difference between Luke's gospel and this sacrament. Luke's gospel is for everyone, but the supper is not. This is a place that the people who trust Jesus are reminded that Jesus died for them and that they should submit to him. If you don't trust Jesus, if there's no submission in you at all, then you should not take the sacrament. You should not celebrate the supper. But this is not a thing of shame. This is not a thing that we want you to feel guilty. 
No one's going to look at you and go, I can't believe they didn't take the sacrament today. We're really glad you're here. And we don't want you to feel uncomfortable not to participate. Instead of taking the sacrament, consider Jesus' authority. What questions do you have? What keeps you from trusting and submitting to him? And then find a Christian that you trust and ask the questions. They may or may not be able to answer, but we can find people that can. Paul says, in the words of institution, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your work on the cross for us. We're grateful for the supper that we take together to remember and to be encouraged in our faith. Would you fortify us and strengthen us for the days to come, knowing that you're making us more like you, knowing, us, knowing that you're, you're slowly bringing us under your authority and kingship, and that we will find freedom there. Encourage us, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. This is the body of Christ. It has been broken for you. Take and eat. This is the blood of Christ that has been shed on your behalf by the authoritative Holy One of God. Take and drink all of it. Let's pray. Lord, we're yours. We're trying to submit. Help us to do it better. Thank you for dying for us. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? Again, this is God's very word to you. His promise, his truth to you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, Through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Just a couple of quick reminders. You can sit down. You don't need to keep standing. 
Just a couple of quick reminders. Um, that e a couple of emails went out that there's been a change with our online giving vendor. Uh, this was done because we actually save money in terms of the processing fees. So we've been tr so we're in the process of transitioning from our old vendor to our new one. There's an email that's been out. If you did not receive said email, um, please contact Cynthia Cook regarding that. Um, Pastor Brian sabbatical. He's on sabbatical for another couple of weeks. Um, Law and Bishop, where are you at? Is the elder on call for this week? And coming up, mark your calendars for the men's retreat coming up. There are sign-up forms in the back with additional information. Um, we're really trying to um, encourage participation for that. I think it's going to be a really wonderful, great time. Uh, Pastor Dan Passarelli, um, who came and preached for a couple of times. Um, the first part of Brian's sabbatical, he is going to be our key speaker, and we're super excited to have him um, for that event. And I think that wraps up everything for today. So thanks, everybody, for coming. God bless. Go forth. Have a great week.